for those of us who have had the privilege of knowing Jesus, we know that, that he, he plays that role. But for many of our people in our community, they don't know Jesus and they need someone to listen and to understand. And then uh, just in that second song, I was picking up the need to, you know, to, stand, to speak up for those who can't, to speak up for the oppressed, to speak up for the downtrodden, to speak up for the poor, to speak up for, for the orphans and the widows, as Timothy, uh, it would be written in Timothy. And um, we've been talking a little bit about that and I just want to share uh, just briefly a little bit, uh, some more thoughts today to keep us going on on, uh, on this whole area of, of that Jesus is so passionate about. And I was listening to the radio this week, talk back, uh, Radio 720, for those of you uh, are in my camp, um, I appreciate there's many who are not. Uh, but I was listening to uh, 720 and Jeff was talking to a, uh, a gentleman who uh, is living rough in his car and uh, he is getting a lot of parking tickets for parking in a, uh, in a certain council area and they are picking him up and he's tried to sh- discuss with him that he's not camping, he's actually existing and, uh, and uh, there was no, no sort of flexibility uh, from the council in that and, uh, and I joined many calls, well, I didn't call back in um, but I, in my car I was like, yeah, they should show more compassion, those guys, they should show more, show more love towards that guy, that's, that's unjust. Uh, obviously I wasn't taking into account that you know, in a lot of our jobs we actually don't have the freedom to make choices like that. We actually don't have the flexibility, which I do sitting in a car listening to a talkback radio. Uh, but I joined the chorus about how they should be more compassionate, they should have more compassionate hearts. And, uh, but then it quickly my mind went back to a week earlier when I was driving through uh, Oxford Street in Leadable and uh, there was a gentleman sitting uh, begging on the side of the road there. And I remember my first thoughts were, and, and living in, in a country like Australia and, uh, who has a lot of um, support and a lot of care, uh, a lot of systems in place, my first thought was, uh, my first thoughts were, well, what's he doing sitting there? There's plenty of things that can help him out. Why doesn't he go and get, go to an agency that can support him? Why doesn't he get help? Why doesn't he, uh, you know, and what my heart was doing is failing to take into effect that maybe he doesn't have the confidence to actually go and ask for help. Maybe he doesn't have the ability to do that. I don't know. I'm just driving past. I'm making wild assumptions about a gentleman that's sitting on the side of the road. And guess what? My heart is not very compassionate, is what I learned. And so on the one hand, I, I, I live in this Western world where I think, yeah, they should be more compassionate. Yet Jesus reminds me every day that I actually probably need to be a whole lot more compassionate as well. And if you've got your Bible today, as you can open to Isaiah 58. And uh, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, uh, but the prophet Isaiah is, is prophesying, uh, talking from God, about the type of worship that God uh, wants to see. And I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, we'll go from verse 2. It says this, Isaiah 58 verse 2, For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were, they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and, we have not no- and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please. And exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. In this, the kind, is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to lose the chains of injustice? Untie the cords of yoke, set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? 
Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. See, the issues that we... I'm just going to bring that up here. The issues that, we, uh, that God cares about are not whether uh, we sing in tune, not whether we got the worship service right on Sunday, not whether we uh, were all in order and not whether everything ran on time and, and not whether the preacher was boring or, or, or not, but he actually cares about what we do with our faith when we walk outside of the building. He actually cares about how we look after the poor uh, in our streets, how we uh, have compassion for the downtrodden, how we look after the widows, how we look after the oppressed. That's the worship that God actually calls us to as a group of people here today uh, gathering at Encounter Church. That's what he's actually passionately interested in. And so it makes the question then, who are the oppressed in our society? Who are the downtrodden? Who are the... um, the people that, that need someone to speak for them. And quite often, uh, and we, we, we here as a church, and, and, and Mel, we, we've just spoken about it, it's very easy to, not easy in the bad way, but it's easy to, to work out who are the oppressed and the, and the poverty-stricken and that in other countries. But you know in Australia we also have a whole lot of people who are oppressed, who are downtrodden, who are needing people to speak up for them. And it's not just in the areas of uh, needing food, although there are plenty of people who could do with a little bit more food. I was very happy to hear that Oz Harvest, um, if you know that organisation in the East Coast, they uh, harvest unwanted meals from restaurants and they, they give it out to those who are hungry. Uh, they're coming to WA. There's no one in WA who collectively collects the unused meals and distributes them, the lady was saying. So I was really quite happy to hear that there is an organisation coming to do that. But today, biblical social justice is, not about, is about redeeming life. It's about redeeming life. It's about releasing the prisoners, releasing people who are caught up in all types of things of sin, caught up in things of uh, patterns of life, caught up in things that maybe they haven't even put in place themselves, people who need to be released. It's about restoring dignity to people. It's about restoring their dignity. It's about reconnecting relationship with the Father through the Son, Jesus. It's about his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what social justice encompasses. And what God, the beautiful thing that God and Jesus ask us to, to be a part of is for each one of us who loves Jesus, he gets says, hey, you get to be a part of this. You get to be a part of praying, but also putting into action, seeing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And our gathering means not a whole lot unless it's directly linked to our everyday life. Our gathering means not a whole lot unless it's linked to our everyday life. If it doesn't link up, if we walk out of this place and we uh, aren't people who are changed on the inside that share a compassion for those who need it, then all our songs and all our uh, amount to not a whole lot. You know, here at Encounter, in our community, one of our guiding principles is love. 
And one of our guiding principles is love, is that we understand that loving others is a direct correlation to the amount that we understand what Christ has done for us, what Christ's love for us. So as, as much as we understand what Christ's love means to us, we should be extending that to each other and to others, and it's a direct correlation. We also have one of our, ministry, our, um, our mission points here, is that we're going to partner with each other in becoming like Christ. That's what we're about here. We're going to partner with each other in becoming more like Jesus. And so in doing that, let's have a little look at how Jesus treated some people who needed someone to speak up for them, how Jesus treated some people who were a little bit downtrodden. And so I just want to look at quickly three stories. Um, If you've got your Bible, turn with me to John. Actually, we'll start in Luke 7. Luke is just before John, if you're new to the Bible. I got to it without the contents today, Lee. So we're doing well. It's okay if you did need to go to the content. That's not a problem here. Luke chapter 7. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. I'm just going to read the story. I'm not going to embellish it. I'm just going to read it as the Bible puts it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating in the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at the feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with his tears, with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet, he would not know. He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner." She answered him, "Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher," he said. Two people owed money to a money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. A denarii is about a day's wage. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You judge correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see the woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman is an outcast, especially from the religious crew. She's an outcast. She's, she shouldn't have been in that place. She's the person that the, the religious crew of the day would have pointed the finger at and said, you, you know, this is, who are you? What are you doing? Jesus, on the other hand, stood by her. Jesus didn't condemn her, but he spoke life into her. If we turn into Bible to John chapter 4, we'll see another story. the story of the Samaritan woman and again uh, we won't read this one in whole but we know that the Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well at noontime. You don't collect water uh, at noontime in in this time. She's collecting it at a time where she won't be seen. We know that Samaritan people aren't really liked people. We know that Samaritan people are a little bit outcast. 
We also know that as a woman that she shouldn't be approaching, she shouldn't be talking to a man out in public like this. So here's this lady, she's completely, she's in the wrong place, she's doing the wrong thing and she's an outcast. Jesus is well aware of what she's done. In fact, he reminds her that that's the truth. But again, he doesn't condemn her. He speaks life into her. In verse 25 of chapter 4, it says, The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Again, this lady, just like the last lady, found a Jesus that stood behind, beside her, didn't condemn her and spoke life into her. If you just flick over to John chapter 8, you'll see another story of another lady. They just happen to be ladies, by the way. That's not important to what I'm saying. Chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus has been out speaking around. The Jewish leaders are trying to trip him up. They want to catch him. They want to get him to do something that's not right. They want to trip him up so that they can, uh, can, can bring him down. And it says this. Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At, da- at dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. So he's teaching them about the ways of the world, ways of God. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. I really like this bit, the older ones first. I think because they probably are wise enough to know that they have done things wrong as well. Until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life of, leave your life of sin. So we have three women. One came to him, one he came across, and one was brought to him. We have one that's been labelled a sinner, one who's been labelled an outcast and one that's been labelled an adulterer. And they're all brought or he's come across or he's come upon these ladies. And the interesting thing I find about them is that there's three things that Jesus did and I've mentioned them just before. He stood beside them. He didn't walk away from them. You know Jesus is not ashamed of your predicament. Jesus is not ashamed of the way you are. Jesus is not ashamed of the way anybody is. Jesus' love for you as a human being goes way beyond the predicament that you are in. And us as a community of people who want to live like Christ, we need to stand with the people despite their predicament. Not be embarrassed about people's predicament. Not be ashamed about people. Not be too proud to stand next to someone because of their predicament. Jesus stood by these people. He didn't walk away from them. He didn't leave them there. He didn't kind of stand there awkwardly. You know, sometimes I've done where you stand and you think, well, this is embarrassing, but I'll just, I probably should stay here. No, no, Jesus embraced it. This was a child of his. This is a creation of God. These are beautiful people. 
in unfortunate predicaments. And he's going to stand with them. Secondly, he didn't condemn them. He didn't run them into the ground. He didn't say, well, gee, well, if you'd just done a little bit better in this area, you, would have been, you wouldn't have been in this situation. Now it's all lost. Now you're hopeless. Oh, you've got no food. Tough luck. Should have thought about organising that a bit earlier. You haven't got a roof over your head. Well, if you'd played your cards better, that wouldn't have happened. He doesn't condemn them. Why? Because he understands that things can happen to all people. He stands with them. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't speak down to them. And again, if we want to be people who follow after Christ, who show compassion, who live out of a compassionate heart, we can't condemn people. We need to stand with them. We can't condemn them. And we need to be people who speak life into people. The scripture says, speak the truth in love. You know, I was listening to some interesting teaching on this this week and it really just stood out to me about speaking the truth to people in love. You know, we can speak what's true to people or we can speak what is the truth to people. And what's true is someone's situation. So we can say, we, we can describe someone's situation, we can tell them that this is it, and that may be the truth. See, this lady here, she was an adult, that, that, that she'd been caught in that place. So he could speak true to her, that is true. But the truth is that she's a child of God. The truth is that she is, uh, can be a co-heir with Christ. The truth is that God has called her to much more than that. The truth is that she is not to be, uh, not to be, described by that, she is described by the fact that she is a child of God. And see, when someone speaks truth rather than what is true, it lifts someone's eyes up. Because when we talk what's true to someone, it keeps them focused on the predicament. It keeps them focused on the situation that they find themselves. See, see when someone is in poverty, they, don't, they know they're in poverty. When someone is in, uh, without a home, they know that they haven't got a home. We don't need to tell them they don't have a home. When someone has done, uh, in, in other areas of life, maybe done something that's not great, they don't need to be told. We all, we're all pretty aware of our, of our shortcomings and the situations and the predicaments we find. We all are aware of that. Truth, what God says about them and what God calls them to be and what God has for their life, that's truth. And what that does is that gets you to lift your eyes from here up to truth, which is God, and you start to follow where your eyes go. Jesus said, leave your life a sin and sin no more. Jesus said, I don't, no one else judge you, I don't judge you. That's what Jesus started to say to people. And you know, people who have compassion, as we live out of a compassionate heart, we start to be people who speak truth, not necessarily needing to speak what's true. A community of grace and a community of love speaks the truth to people, how God sees people doesn't just describe what people are standing in at the moment. It doesn't just tell them what they already know. And so as a community, when I look at this, as I see what Jesus is doing here, he stood beside them. He didn't condemn them and he called them to truth. He spoke truth into their life. And you know, when we do that, we become the people who stand beside people, who listen and who understand people's walk. You know, our world needs that. Our world needs that. The, the people in our streets need that. Who are the people who are downtrodden? Uh, who are the people who need to be set free? Who are the people who need to be restored? Well, you know what? They probably sit in the cubicle next to you at work. They probably live in the house next door to you on the street. They probably play in the same sporting team as you. They probably walk the same journey 
as you. Because people are all around us. And we need to be people who live out of a compassionate heart. Not just abroad, but also here. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to get Mel to come up and lead us in one last worship song um, as we do that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we just sit here today, and we've engaged with you in conversation, we've engaged with you through song, Lord, today we want to be people who live hearts, live lives out of compassionate hearts. Father, this area of social justice, we've broadened out a fair bit today. But Lord, we want to be people who live out of compassion at heart towards all those around us. Help us to have compassionate hearts. Lord, help me to have a compassionate heart. Lord, I shared at the start, Lord, that my heart is not uh, nearly as compassionate as you would want it to be. God, would you break me? Would you break down the arrogance? Would you break down the self-righteousness? Would you break down the need to tell myself that I'm doing well so that I feel better about where I'm at. Lord, for anyone that resonates with here too, Lord, would your Holy Spirit come right now and break that down in our cell lives. May we be people who work in compassion, who move in compassion. Thank you, Lord. In Peter, you say that you first loved us and that's how we know what love is. Lord, today for each one of us who may be struggling to express love, may we experience your love more. May that be the source. May we today bask in your love. May we understand greater your love. Lord, we want to be people who listen. We want to be people who understand and we want to be people who stand beside others. Understanding that tomorrow we might be the person who needs to be understood and we might need the people who need to be understood. Help us to be humble. Help us to be full of grace and help us to be most of all full of your love. In your mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are going to sing another song just to finish up today. If you're new with us today, again, I just want to enjoy, stay around for some soup. We'd love to do some soup. We, we, we all normally eat soup, so please join us in some soup. The chairs get moved away in here pretty quickly because a bouncy castle comes out. So... Um, yeah, please stay around and enjoy uh, community. Uh, we, we value community here and um, we're going to stand, we're going to worship God and finish up. Thanks, Mel. We're going to sing a song that the guys don't know about.